This is the Scoop Slam Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scoop Slam Podcast. We're here once again with a special episode. We've got an exclusive interview with WWE slash NXT superstar. As always, your two hosts are here, ready to go. I'm Micah, and my co-host is with me, Ryan. Yo! And we got a good show in store for you guys. Um, We got some good questions in, some classic wrestling, what Brooks is up to now, what his past was like, and what the future holds for Brooks Jensen. So it's coming up shortly. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are here today. I am one half of your hosting team. I'm Micah. My partner on the line, my co-host is Ryan. And we have a special guest here today for our first ever interview. NXT superstar, one of the youngest superstars in WWE today. Brooks Jensen is on the line. How y'all doing? Pretty good. How about you, Brooks? I am doing great. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Brooks. Uh, Thank you. It's great to be here. Is this a big honor, uh, our first interview, so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm nervous, but, you know, that comes with it. Uh, trust me, I got the butterflies in my stomach. This is actually my first interview, too, in WWE, so thank you all for letting me do this. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, hey, we're all Bama boys, so, you know, we got to look out for each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I know you had a show in Tampa last night. Um, I haven't necessarily looked at any of the results or anything, but how did that go? Who'd you wrestle, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, you're all good. Uh, yeah, Tampa's a really great crowd. They keep up with our product. They were really into the show. I want to say we had about over 400 people there last night. That was a... Big crowd, especially since coming back from still recovering from the COVID and going back on the road as much as we are. And uh, last night I got to face, very honored to face uh, Gable Stevenson. And mm. uh, unfortunately, I didn't come out of the winning side, but it was, to me, it was a great match. Uh, Gable was someone that I watched in high school when he wrestled in college. When I was wrestling in high school, I really watched his stuff. I was a big fan of his. So to be able to share the ring with him was a real honor. That's pretty cool. I honestly, I mean, there's been rumors and I'm, you know how that goes on the internet, but I wasn't sure what the direction was with Gable moving forward. I know his, he had his match with, uh, Corbin. Uh, there hadn't been a whole lot of him on TV personally. Um, I mean, I I think he's a good wrestler. He's got the Kurt Angle kind of background, but I would love to see you guys in the ring on TV one day. Oh yeah, he he's uh again just like Kurt Angle. Uh, for somebody who hasn't been in it as long as most people are down here, he is picking it up well. You know, seeing him train, seeing him bust his tail in the gym, the the sky's the limit for him. That's really cool. Um, I know that, speaking of Tampa, I know that the Royal Rumble is coming up in January, and mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily a uh, question that we had pinned, but could we see you in the Rumble? I know it's a short drive from Orlando. Yeah, it's only an hour drive, so who knows? I, I mean, I'm all for it, you know. Let me get in there with 29 other people. But, uh no, yeah, we'll just wait and see to see what happens there, huh? 
It's going to be interesting. I think we, we're about six or seven hours, um, so I know me and Ryan are going to try and make it to the Rumble. So, yeah. hey, if you're in there, we'll give you a big shout. Oh, heck yeah, man. So, also, I want to, uh, before we get too far into it, I know you recently got engaged, so I want to congratulate you on that. That's uh, a big thing. And um, if you don't mind me asking, how did you guys meet? And, you know, uh, I guess... <laughs> What's the future for you guys? So actually, uh, we met. Uh, I remember this one night. I'm really good friends with uh, uh, Javier Bernard and uh, Caden Carter, and so we would mm. always go to this uh, bar called Cowboys in Orlando. Oh. And this one night, I just see this one girl, and then she comes. I I remembered. Uh, I was telling Javi, man, if I could ever just have a girl like that, you know, she looked beautiful. She was very just sparked up the whole room. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Five minutes later, she comes over and says, hey, to me. And then we get to talking. And uh, I told her that I was a WWE wrestler. And, of course, she made fun of me for it. And uh, <laughs> but the best thing was she thought she thought I was lying about it. So she asked her best friend to who is a huge wrestling fan to see if i really was telling the truth or not and he came up he was like oh my god yeah that's brooks jensen he does this whole thing where he's a single cowboy you know he's a virgin and i was like <laughs> thanks but uh yeah so we met at cowboys and uh for the engagement for the proposal i took her we're actually going to go there tonight for dinner just to be there uh, I asked her to be my girlfriend at this uh, place called Splitsville over at Disney Springs. So I decided when I was going to propose to her, why not do it where I asked her to be my girlfriend? So hope, uh, the future for us it, is really bright. She's just, she's amazing. You know, she knew a little bit of wrestling and for her to adapt to my lifestyle and to join me on this crazy journey of traveling of just consistently watching wrestling listening to my ideas listening to me just talk about this weird sport for hours and hours and hours and for her to support me and really help out i mean yeah she's just amazing uh, it sounds like you got a good one for sure uh, yes brooks so have you converted her to a, a full-time fan is she watching the product weekly so it was it was weird when I um when we first started talking and I told her I was a WWE wrestler, she said, Well, you're not Elias. So I was like, I was shocked by that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, she knows a little wrestling. And then one day we're driving somewhere and I talked to her. I was like, uh, yeah, I remember uh showing my friends uh Johnny Gargano this Johnny Gargano match, and she was like Oh, yeah, that's when he wrestled uh, Alistair Black. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute. So are you like, <laughs> like I asked her and she was like, uh, her best friend was a wrestling fan. So she would just watch wrestling with him just to kill time. And she would watch like the old uh, Black and Gold NXT. So she had hmm. the knowledge on wrestling. Okay. Well, hey, that's pretty good. I mean... It's better than most. A lot of people, like you said, kind of laugh at you. I mean, shoot, especially, you know, 
being a fan, a lot of people laugh at you, but a wrestler, <laughs> I'm sure most people don't believe you when you tell them that, that to begin with. Yeah. The best part is whenever uh, she'll watch my uh, promos and everything, and she'll just look at me. She was like, you got to quit being Arn Anderson. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's the best thing you could ever say to me. She means as an insult, but I'm like, that's the best thing you could ever say to me. Hey, he's one of the best, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Which, speaking of, um, you do kind of take a classic approach to wrestling. And recently, you took the internet by storm with your entrance uh, from or with the Journey song. Can we see that in the future? How did that come to be? Because, I mean, it just exploded overnight. I I mean, I, I honestly don't know how... <laughs> It got leaked out. I, yeah, behind the scenes, I don't know how it came to be, but it was just a real honor to do it. I mean, I think everybody at the PC knows I'm a, I love, I guess, old wrestling, the 80s territory wrestling. That's just my bread and butter. So to be able to come out to that song and to present that side of me was a real honor and I'm glad the reactions I got, it really humbled me. It really made me feel proud of myself and uh, to see the crowd reaction as well. When I watch it back, it's just a real honor. And uh, I mean, who knows, who knows what we'll see in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked it. Um, I think that's something that is kind of missing in wrestling. A lot of, WWE today doesn't have licensed song and some people that don't have the licensed song have, you know, really good theme songs, but there's something that makes you connect with a wrestler when they have a song that you really like, or you're predisposed to like, you know, um, the journey song. And I feel like it fits you a whole lot too. Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate that, man. And speaking of recent stuff with uh, Twitter going on, I know a couple weeks ago, DiJack uh, put out a tweet saying that you were the, uh, one of the most underrated in-ring talents at the PC. Is that a big honor? That That is a huge honor. Uh, I remember my uh, now fiance, she, I was doing something in the house, and then she said, you need to look at your Twitter. And I was like, this is right after the journey stuff. So I was like, if it's another journey tweet, I swear. <laughs> so I, uh, I open it and I see that. And, uh, die Jack is someone that in the PC, in the company overall, I really respect because he holds nothing back. Uh, being, a in, Coach Terry Taylor's class and Coach Pitt Finley, he will hop in time to time. And I've gotten to wrestle around with him some, and he'll pull me aside and he'll tell me what I need to work on, how I need to work on it, and what do I do to better myself and better a match. And yeah, that guy, he's, he's amazing. I, it's a, you're going to hear me say it a lot. It was a real honor to hear that from him. And I don't take that compliment very lightly. I will live up to that. And hopefully I can go from underrated to rated, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely uh, can see on the screen even when you guys, even from now uh, back to when you won the NXT UK championship, 
there's been improvement with your in-ring work. I mean, it was evident last week when you faced Lexus. And that is something I do want to talk about. Um, this past week you faced Lexus King. You did come up uh, shorthanded. But not to throw your partner under the bus, but he kind of volunteered you for the match a little bit. And uh, if you ask me, he may have played a role in you losing. Mm. Um, how does that go over with you? Uh, I mean, you can look back at it and you can see by my face. I was kind of surprised by the uh, the short announcement of uh, me facing uh, Lexus. But, you know, I always go by the living of that whenever you got to be ready at any given time. You know, I mean, there's been times where last minute someone needed to wrestle someone last minute someone wanted to fight you know you got you just got to be ready for it i think briggs was looking out for me for the most part i mean was i was i not picked by any of the hall of famers for the iron survivor that's true so i think briggs saw that as a opportunity to prove myself and even though i didn't come with the victory i think with the performance that i gave and what I did out there with that NXT crowd, hopefully a lot of those Hall of Famers look back and wish that they chose someone else. Speaking of you and your partner, I want to talk about Josh Briggs. Now, you guys, former NXT UK tag champs. Mm-hmm. However, it kind of came out of nowhere, though, when you guys were just went over to NXT UK, won the tag titles, and I think it was night one y'all came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose brainchild was that? Who thought of getting the Cowboys over there, Brooks and uh, Briggs over there to NXT UK and winning some tag gold? Do you do you remember who floated that idea to y'all? So um, it was right after I came off of a, a hand injury and I just got cleared and we've been begging them if we could go over to the UK. I think when you like someone said it a while back, but five to 10 years from now, when you watch the NFC UK, it's going to be one of those like, man, we should have appreciated it while we had it. The talent that came from there was insane. Tyler Bate, uh, Butch, uh, Gunther, uh, Gallus, pretty deadly, uh, Imperium. But yeah, once I came off the injury, we got the green light that we were going to go to NXT UK, be there for a couple of weeks, get the train in their facility, which I was looking forward to the most because I really respect, uh, I guess, the UK style of wrestling, that British style. And uh, the tag champs at the time, uh, Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter, who is now Oro Menza, they were holding the belts and Ashton Smith got hurt. So I think it was uh, Sean's idea, uh, Mr. Sean Michaels. It was his idea to put the tag belts on us and to bring them over here and do something with them, like you know, give it some recognition and to go back over there and defend them. But of course, as we can, as we all know, that didn't happen. And uh, Worlds Collide came at the time, and it was just the perfect time to unify those tag titles. It was pretty cool to see because you really didn't see a lot of NXT guys go over there to the UK and win titles. 
And I, mean, I think you guys were the last NXT UK tag champion. I so I I think we are recognized as the last tag champs. Hopefully so. I'd like to have that honor. It was because like again, I remember being 15 years old and watching that UK uh, championship tournament and just thinking like if I have a career in wrestling, I want to go over to the UK and wrestle. That was always a dream of mine. So to do that and to go over there and win the tag titles, that was just that's one of the proudest moments of my career. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was really cool and I think it's a good um idea from sean i mean if nothing else it gets you guys some more work um you can train over there like you said get a different style um and personally i mean i just love the way all the uk belts looked they were beautiful had so much detail and design into them so i don't i think it would be pretty cool to just have that and you know a notch in your belt yeah we uh we have the replicas me and Briggs and I have it hung up here and it just looks beautiful. I hope you get a, a lot more to hang in your house. Um, but now that we've talked about some more recent stuff, I do want to ask a little bit about your past. Um, I know you are pretty young and speaking of the NXT UK championship win, I believe you were the first uh, wrestler born after 2000 to win gold uh, when you guys won that. But you are a second-generation wrestler, so I kind of want to ask, what was it like growing up having your dad in the national spotlight, and was that what made you fall in love with wrestling, or was there a specific moment? I, so I always hear people, you always hear people say they were born to do this. I believe that, that I was, I was just born to be a pro wrestler. You know, my, I was born in 2001, so my dad was, in his WWE career. So yeah, I, I feel like I was always born to do it. And now growing up with my dad being a national spotlight to me, it was the coolest thing ever because how many times could, you know, you could go up to your friends and be like, Oh yeah, look at what my dad did. And you can just go on YouTube and search up him and John Cena, <laughs> you know, rapping on Eddie and Chavo Guerrero or, you know, watching watching his uh, stuff in Japan when he was wrestling in All Japan or Noah. So to have him in that spotlight, just to see people come up to him, take pictures with him, to have people talk to him at the fan, like these little fan fests and everything. It was really the coolest thing. And it I it played a huge factor into like, I want to do this. I want to live that rock star mentality i want to be a pro wrestler i want to travel the world like my dad does i want to be on tv like my dad does i want to do what me and him both love and that's pro wrestling yeah i believe it that would be uh something i mean especially you know when we are younger it's cooler to say hey you know look what my dad did and i can't imagine showing your dad being on tv that's crazy to think about yeah the the coolest things would always be like a career day he would come in and just <laughs> have like a robura jacket on and 
show all the kids, you know, this little holding and I would get in trouble the next day at school because all the kids were, you know, body slamming each other <laughs> <laughs> or being like being able on like show and tell when we would have it once a month in school, we would have the show and tell. So I would just bring like a, you know, an autograph from Edge or John Cena or something like that. And then, yeah. Yeah, and then everybody's jealous because they didn't bring in something cool that you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, I was probably the most hated. Now looking back at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, we would have been big fans in the class. Um, but speaking of growing up, you know, being a big fan, what were some of your favorite matches growing up, or favorite wrestlers even? Uh, Aside from your dad. Oh yeah, yeah. The first answer is always my dad. You know, that's like who got me into this but favorite matches um i am a on the tag side i am a big fan of midnight express versus the rock and roll express uh great choice terry gordy and dr death steve williams versus kawada masala and uh all japan that's that's always i that's always a good one for me but uh and I told him this the other day. I remember watching as a teenager and just, I think it's what made me fall in love with the territory wrestling, but Terry Taylor versus Ric Flair in Mid-South. It's a great one. And then my number one of all time, if anybody ever asked me to watch pro wrestling, it is a tie between Holly Blanchard versus Magnum TA's I Quit match. Or... The Freebirds versus Von Erichs on the uh, David Von Erich Memorial Show. Man. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. And speaking of the Von Erichs, uh, I know they have the Iron Claw movie coming out soon. I know I'm really excited about that. I'm sure you are, too. Oh, yeah. The Von Erichs are... When uh, when I was a teenager, my dad started showing me, like, old, like real wrestling you know he was like all right this is you know the wb right here let me show you what was before this let me show you what i grew up on and the first thing he showed me was carrie von eric and i just fell in love i was like if that's who i want to look like is carrie von eric that's who i want to move like and you know to see that they're getting this movie to get this recognition it's really cool because it's such a such a heartbreaking story. But I think with the family like that, they deserve the recognition that they're getting now. Yeah, people that yeah, that's very true. People that don't know the story, they're gonna they're gonna be shit. It's gonna be a horrible yeah. it's gonna be a horrible Christmas movie. Yeah, they're gonna be shedding a lot of tears <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, for if uh, if there's a family going in there to just see it as a good feel family Christmas movie, Uh-oh. someone really needs to advise them. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but Brooks, so I know you said you were born to do this, but when did you know you wanted to follow in Pop's footsteps, or or did he try to dissuade you at all from going into the business? Uh, he so he never pushed it on me. Uh, I honestly think he probably was like probably not wanted me to get into it at the time. But I remember 
an exact moment was when uh, he had his retirement show back in his hometown of Bowden, Georgia, in the high school gym that he played basketball in when he was a teenager. And in the match, he tagged with his uh, tag partner over in Japan, D'Lo Brown. Mm. And when he came out, he had me and my little brother come out with him. And I'm probably 12 at the time. And my little brother's seven. So uh, when we came out and we just saw 500 people packed out in this high school gym, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is this is it. This is where I want to be. I don't like I didn't really care if it was only three people out there or if it was 50,000. It was just something about stepping through the ropes and just seeing those lights, feeling that ring, and then hearing your name being called. It's just, it does something to you that I just cannot describe. Yeah, and in true wrestling fashion, your pops, you said that was his retirement show. Didn't he come out of retirement, tag with you a little bit on the Indies? Yeah, for every retirement <laughs> show, there's a coming out party. <laughs> <laughs> my dad stayed away from it when he retired and he wanted to stay away from it because he knew he would get that bug to come back in and wrestle at uh at about 13 or 14 i asked my dad if i could wrestle if he could start training me and he thought about it and he said i'll let you i'll train you but first you're going to be a referee. <laughs> so the first two years I was a referee. And then at 16 years old, on a random Saturday, he comes up to me. He's like, look, I got this mask in my bag. Put it on. Me and you are going to wrestle tonight. Hmm. Wow. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're having your first match. And me and him tagged together and like these, uh, you know, just $5 masks. And then, uh, yeah, after that, we got to tag a lot as, you know, Bull Buchanan, Ben Buchanan. And uh, it was really cool now to think back that I got to have that moment with my father. And even to wrestle him, to have a match against him, it's just, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see uh, you guys tag together. but. Uh... What do you think you'd be up to if you didn't go into wrestling? I always thought about that. Like, I'm, I am a big fan of, like, just movies and TV shows and all that good stuff. And I remember being a teenager and when, you know, all the student counselors that would ask you, so what are you going to do after this? And pro wrestling is not usually the best answer to give them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, I probably didn't like that. They, so they will ask you about college. So my thought was, I just, I was never a school guy. I just wasn't, you know, I, I was just headstrong about wrestling. But then I saw Full Sail. And I was like, man, I would really like to be like something to help out with movies or TV shows, whether that be a writer or a director, you know, just something to be in the, the film industry. So I think that, yeah, film and industry. 
Seems like a good pick. I mean, you're kind of in that already, <laughs> yeah. just you know, in a different yeah. avenue. Yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, I'm already in it, so it's kind. Of, but I just, I can never see myself, you know, being that nine to five guy, just an accountant or you know any of that. I just it has to be something entertaining, you know, to entertain people, to give people a purpose to smile, to laugh, to cry, to boo, to be angry. Yeah, that's fair. And I always feel like people like that are called to do that. I mean, like you said, you didn't really have an interest in doing anything else. I feel like most people who go to be professional wrestlers, to be actors, uh, they typically don't. Um, And so I think you saying that about, I really, I just had a feeling. I think that's how a lot of people end up being. Um, So following in your father's footsteps that we talked on a little bit earlier, uh, you began training and wrestling on the Southeastern Independent Circuit, and we read that you even captured Tag Team Gold with AEW's Griff Garrison at one point. Mm-hmm. How was the independent scene in the Southeast, and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned? I think uh, wrestling over in Georgia and Alabama is uh, was a blessing in disguise. You know, if you if you look, especially with uh, Alabama they don't have a lot of promotions. Mm-hmm. So you were very limited on where you went. Luckily I found pro South wrestling. It was a great spot for me to learn and to just wrestle every Friday, which was rare around that time. But over in Georgia, the, the knowledge from those guys in Georgia, you know, uh, Bill Barings, who is the agent of AJ styles he was in there in the very beginning of TNA. He helps out with the NWA. Just to listen to him about wrestling and uh, get his knowledge was really cool. And then Todd Setson, who runs Southern Fried Championship Wrestling, he's got, I can't even name all the guys that he's wrestled over the time here in Georgia. I know Kenny Omega, Nigel McGinnis, uh, with Brian Danielson and Shawn Michaels uh, wrestled AJ Styles when AJ was coming up through here. Uh, Rick Michaels, who runs Anarchy Wrestling over at the Landmark Arena. Rick is uh, the trainer of AJ Styles. He got me in contact with AJ Styles, which really helped out with my, you know, getting hired by the WWE. Okay. But, Have you guys trained together? You and AJ? So uh, during COVID, when uh, COVID first happened, uh, you know, they had the whole Thunderdome uh, thing going on, but there was no wrestling going on on the indies. So I had nowhere to train and really keep my cardio up. And uh, Todd Setson messaged me one day and said, hey, AJ Styles is going to be training. Would you like to come in and uh, train with him? And uh, I met him one time when he came over to the Anarchy, an Anarchy show, and he gave me a quick little advice, you know, work on your footwork kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, when I got in, when I got to train with him, we trained for like I want to say every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for four months, and to learn from him about like what the WWE wants about what Japan wants 
because at that time I was keeping my options open. I really wanted to wrestle in Ring of Honor in Japan, like pay my dues before going to the big leagues that is the WWE. But, you know, uh, AJ put in a good word for me. Regal really helped me out. We knew each other from Evolve. Getting to train with him was uh, one of the best times of my life. Well, that's really cool. I didn't know that you guys had trained together. And I can imagine, I mean, just AJ's been almost everywhere. He's been one of my favorites. I mean, I grew up watching him through TNA and um, yeah, uh, some of the New Japan stuff, too. Because me and Ryan are around the same age as you. So I'm 21. Ryan is 25. So we all probably grew up watching around the same stuff. So I'm sure yeah. AJ was as big as a, of a deal to you as he was to us too. Oh uh, yeah. When I got that message, I thought I was being pranked and I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Sure. I'll, I'll show up. You know, it, the drive is like two and a half hours. So I was like, he better be here <laughs> and all that. So, but yeah, the get the train with him and be able to learn from him and to have him back me up to get signed here. Is such a really cool thing to to me that I don't that not a lot of people know about. So yeah, that is really interesting. Um, so when you were on the Indies, Brooks, did you have a secondary job? Were you waiting tables at Chili's? Did you work at Target? Uh, how did, how, <laughs> did you do anything else for extra income? So. Luckily, I uh, my family really supported me because when I wrestled, I was still in high school. When I was doing the indies, I was still in high school. But once I graduated, we had this uh, in Alabama. We had this feed mill, the Daniel Jackson feed mill, and uh, a feed mill is basically a place where you make chicken feed, deer feed, pig feed, cow feed. You know. You just, you make the feed and then you put them on a pallet and you sell them. So that was my job was just making chicken feed and stacking it up all day. And then there was times where at the, I'd go help them make uh, fences for their cows because they had this huge land of cows and all that great stuff. And then uh, if I wanted to get some overtime work, um, at that same place, I would go work in there, uh, skin the animals oh, where man. you make the, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I had like, when everybody's asking me if I'm like the real country yeah. guy that I'm supposed to be portraying on TV, I'm like, well, I had to work on a farm. I had to make chicken feed and then, you know, uh, so you were really a, living the game. A butcher. Uh, basically a butcher yeah that's basically what i was hmm. was a butcher you know i call you more of a cowboy than hangman adam page but you know i'm not trying to throw yeah. any shots <laughs> <laughs> um but speaking of aw before we get too far into uh, what the pc is like and being signed for you was there ever any contact or interest from aw i know you talked about uh wanting to go through ring of honor but that was before they were uh, bought by Tony Khan and you know COVID and all that happened so I just wanted to know I know your partner Griff went there too so I don't know if you talked to them at all so 
personally, like me talking to anyone there, no, I uh, I never had contacts with AEW. Now, one of the promotions here in Georgia, Southern Honor, they were really close with AEW. Like Cody came down to the promotion, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, and uh, uh, DDP has come down here a couple times to the promotion. I never had contact with AEW. The only time that I could recall is that uh, my dad was really close with uh, Jim Ross. And one day on Facebook, my dad just messaged Jim Ross. He was telling them, hey, I got this kid. I got this kid, Ben. And, uh, you know, he's working on the indies. I'd like for you to watch his stuff and see if you can give him any critiques and see what he can work on. And then Jim Ross said, I can talk to Tony Khan and let's see if we can get him down to Jacksonville and do a dark match or something. And it never happened because at that time, that's when I got signed. So that was really the only like close encounter, but I don't think I was actually going to go down there and work on the dark match. Hmm. That's pretty crazy though. I mean, you've had some, you've already listed off some absolute all-stars to look at your work and kind of tout you as a, you know, a young prodigy, AJ, Jim Ross. Those are, I mean, just those two alone would be enough for most people, but I know you've had some more since you've been in WWE. No, I'm very blessed for the knowledge that I have and the people that have taken their time to talk to me and share with me what they've learned through their journeys. So Brooks, so how was like the training camp? before you got signed? Because I assume they they call you out to like a little tryout. How, how did that go? Well, usually, like when they given me the tryout, um, I started watching the YouTube videos, you know? Yeah. You see these YouTube videos where they have like 50 people in this uh, warehouse of eight different rings. You know, I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be really cool you know i never been in a building like this with eight rings uh you know just all these coaches and 50 different people you got you know i was like i gotta make myself different but at the same time it was more of a like i was 18 at the time when i tried out so i was like i just want to learn i wasn't looking for a job i was just wanting to do it to say that i did it you know because I still wanted to go to Ring of Honor in Japan and everything. So I just looked at it as a a very valuable lesson that I have here to learn. But I get to the performance center for the tryout. And I don't know who the other three people were. But in this tryout, it was myself, Bodie Hayward, Braun Breaker, Trick Williams, Bruce Creed. Mm. And Tony D'Angelo. Wow. All-star cast. Yeah. Yeah. I I was kind of curious on who was going to be in the tryout uh, when I was flying from Atlanta to Orlando. And I look across the seat, and I just see this just huge, full of muscle dude. And I looked at him. I said, you know you look like a Steiner. <laughs> and it was Braun Breaker. And... He said, yeah, because I am a Steiner. I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense now. So I'm assuming <laughs> you're trying out. But, yeah, the, the training was brutal. 
you know, it was, uh, God, I want to say, you know, the 200 push-ups, the 200 squats, the 200 sit-ups, the 200 get-ups and get back down. And then that was just a warm-up. It was just full of cardio, just running in the ring, doing rolls, staying to the basics because I assume besides, because Trick did train a little before he got there, but I was the only indie wrestler there. Hmm. So this was kind of the start of what you see now as in the modern day uh, college athletes trying out. So it was, it was a really cool experience. It was really tough. And I'm really glad that I got to experience that. And I'm even more fortunate that I got signed out of that class. Where were you at when you got that call, Brooks? Do you remember? Uh, so when they uh, told us that to know that you were getting signed, there was three ways to know, like three different stages of it. One was a uh, one email just flat out said you're not getting signed. Uh, the second email was, hey, look, here's what you got to work on. We'll sign you in the future, but keep working on this. And then the third one was, let's have a Zoom meeting because this is still COVID. Let's have a Zoom meeting and talk about your future. I was still working at the feed mill at the time, and I remembered that day we had to go onto this farm and set up this uh, barbed wire fence. And I remember I was just putting these uh, metal posts in the ground, just wondering, like, you know, just busting my tail and just questioning why am I doing this? And I pick up my phone and I look and I see an email saying, Hey, we would like to have a zoom meeting with you. Talk about your future. That very next day I was in the living room. I had the, my phone set up on the table. You know, I was dressed up. I put on a button up shirt and jeans, like a good old boy. (laughs) And my dad was like, this guy's six foot eight, 300 pounds. And he was crisscross applesauce behind the table on the floor trying to listen to the meeting so <laughs> it was uh it was such a cool moment to share that moment with my mom and dad for them to listen to that meeting and to for them to hear that i was getting signed to the wv yeah i imagine that's a big honor especially like your dad being signed you know i i can't imagine that as a parent um i don't have any kids but I can only imagine that would be such a cool thing to see your son basically following in your footsteps. I do it with, I tell my little brother, uh, it's just, no matter what happens, I'm just, you gotta be proud for just following your dreams, you know? I mean, for him, it doesn't matter if he wants to be a wrestler, an artist or whatever. I told him, I'm going to be proud of you as long as you follow your dreams. And I think that's the same thing with my dad. He doesn't care if we become whatever, as long as we're following our dreams and we're putting 100% effort into it. I mean, that's, you know, that's the best thing you can tell somebody, honestly. A lot of people do get kind of caught in the, you know, nine to five. A lot of people don't get to live their dreams because, you know, they got to, pay bills or, you know, something like that. So uh, to see you do that 
I imagine it's a cool moment on both ends for you to be his son and, you know, for that to be your dad. That's just really, really cool all around. Um, but when you got signed, what was your first day like at the PC? Was it very daunting, just that, you know, huge system, or were you just excited and ready to go? Uh, so our, like, uh, technically our first day was like this orientation where we sat in this room and they just told us like the life of the PC, like, here's your schedule, here's everything. But the first training of the like the very next day the first day of training we went straight into it because it was uh a few wrestlers a few indie wrestlers it was myself malik blade and uh solo sequoia and we had a couple non-wrestlers and bodie hayward damon kemp and tiffany stratton Mm -hmm. so it was just uh that first day we had coach brookside he took us in the ring, and uh, Danny Birch was helping at the time while he was recovering an injury. And it was just locking up for two hours. Just lock up, break, lock up, break, party, hit the ropes, run, 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 lock up, break. Just wearing yourself out. And it would continue like that for the first two weeks. Like, Holy you were cow. starting you were starting from scratch. Like this was like, they didn't care that I wrestled at this place. They didn't care if you like whoever wrestled, wherever they didn't care. You were starting from scratch because you are learning what they want you to learn. And you were learning from one of the best coaches in Robbie Brookside. And right after that, you go to the uh, weightlifting, which I will argue with anyone that we have the best uh, like state-of-the-art weightlifting facility in the whole world. It's just amazing what they have there. And yeah, so that's what you, that, that was just our schedule. It was workout or uh, in-ring, workout. Uh, three to five o'clock, you go back for extra ring. And there were some days where the extra ring would have a... Uh, Butch would host the class. Danny Birch would host the class. Uh, I feel like there was one more that was hosting a class. If a guest coach was in, they would host the class. And then uh, you had your couple days of the week, you had your promo classes too. And see, I, I mean, I feel like that's a really good, you know, some people have this, that, and the other opinions about the way that WWE does you know, they're wrestling and they're training. But personally, I mean, if if you get a guy, then in their mind, they've got something that they're going to want you to do. Why would you not train them from the ground up? I'm sure it is different for a guy like, you know, maybe AJ who's been around the block. If you look at some of the people that we that we as a company have trained from scratch, I mean... It's really unbelievable. Braun Breaker, Tony D'Angelo, Tiffany Stratton. Those are just a couple of names of starting from scratch. I believe Bianca, right? And uh, Rhea? Bianca. Charlotte. Bianca. Yeah, Charlotte. Like, that's just scratching the surface of names. Like, that. I there's plenty of more names that have, that are succeeding right. Roman Reigns. Yeah. Like th- those, like 
you can't tell me like the way that this company trains people does not have a great effect. You look at the business right now, you look at WWE, and I will argue with anyone that we are at our peak, we are at our best, and we're going to go even higher. And that starts from Coach Brookside and Coach Smiley. Yeah, I mean, say what you want to, but they just had 17000 in there for Survivor Series. The business is hot, and... Mm-hmm. WWE is making more money. They're making money hand over fist, so something's working. Um, oh, yeah. You kind of touched on this a minute ago, but I did want to say uh, or ask, what is the daily process like for an NXT superstar? I mean, now you are on the show consistently, so what's a uh, typical day in the life of Brooks Jensen? Uh, wake up in the morning, kiss the fiance, get the dog out, you know, make some breakfast, watch good old wrestling, but... uh. Start off at the PC. Um, I start off with uh, our weightlifting time, which is an hour or two hours if you want it to be. And uh, the way we have our weightlifting, they target to like what you need. What do you want to look like? How do you want to perform? Because they go, you know, they do the statistics. They check on you to see if you're a hundred percent if you're 80 percent how are you feeling okay is this hurting a little bit then instead of doing squats we got you know the pit shark over here that you can squat on they have a lot of stuff to really help you out with the with the bruises and all that good stuff that comes with being a pro wrestler or a wwe superstar but after that for me, it's uh, straight into class, and right now I am being uh, coached by Fit Finley. So you go in there, and it's just an hour of cardio, and then you start wrestling. And with Fit, when you wrestle, it's your life is on the line. You know, you yeah. go in there, you just give everything, and. I am very blessed to be in this class. Me and him, I getting to talk to him and getting to learn from him is such a cool thing for my inner childhood, seeing him on TV, teenage me watching his stuff in Germany, and now uh, getting to learn his style to, you know, perfect that. Um, I've been trying to watch the Attitude Era because, you know, I was before and at, before born after the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of my favorite matches in that time period that I've watched was Fit Finley versus uh, William Regal. I can't remember the pay-per-view that it's on, but... Uncensored? It, it's, yes. It's got yeah. that just hard-nosed, rough style that Fit and Regal are, you know, known for. So I can only imagine learning from him what's that, what that's like. Oh, I got I got a little side story I got to share with Fit Finley. Uh, there was one day in class where he is talking to us about, you know, kicking people. And he's like, if I have your leg right here, like his lat is holding onto my leg. He's laying his lat on the side of my leg. He's like, you can kick me as hard as you can. And he said, remember, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to assume Fitz age because he'll probably hear this and beat me up. But <laughs> Fit is a older man. Uh, but Fit, 
he said, kick me. I give him a light kick. You know, I don't want to do anything. And he's like, no, kick me as hard as you can. So I just rear my right foot back and kick him as hard as I can in the back. And he was like, so when you do that, I'm going to get up. And he's got my leg. And I just look into his eyes. And I have never feared for, like, my life before. That man, he is just, for his age, he will go in there and wrestle with anybody and just, you know, beat us up is the best way to put it, you know. But I love it because, like, him and Terry Taylor, they they practice what they preach, you know. They coach us on the way that they were coached. They coach us on the way that they've lived or performed their whole life. But, uh, yeah, so I get to go to class with Fit Finley. And then uh, if it's a Monday, that would really be it for the day. But, you know, on a uh, Thursday, we'll have promo classes in the evenings. Uh, and then Friday and Saturdays. Most of the time is our live events. Okay, it's pretty pretty routine schedule. It's- yeah, it's it's a great routine schedule, and uh, you know you do have some free time, and a lot of us at the PC do take advantage of those because we do have the extra rings. We do have you know uh, nutritionists that we can set meetings up to go talk to. They really take care of making sure you're 100% for tomorrow. So, Brooks, is Fit your guy, your go-to guy to go get advice from at the PC? Oh, yeah. Uh, Fit Finley is my go-to guy. Uh, really, like, all all the coaches are really my go-to guys. I'm glad I have a personal relationship with them. Uh, like, if I want to, you know, that hard nose, you know, just rugged style, I go to fit and he'll give me advice on it. If I want to learn, you know, how to wrestle, be more technical, be more like, you know, my bread and butter territory wrestling, I'll go to Terry Taylor and talk to him and have a two hour conversation about, you know, the, the good old days. (laughs) And then if I want to talk about Japanese wrestling, I go to Coach Steve Carino, who I hmm. I have a great relation with him. He's like a second father to me over at the PC. And then uh, if I want to learn more how to be a big guy, then Coach Matt Bloom, who uh, is the like the head coach overall, and he's a really great guy. He takes time to talk to everyone. You got to think we have a hundred people there and he knows everybody by their name and he talks to us like we're, you know, real people. Like he doesn't treat us like a, a number. He talks to us. Yeah. And then my last guy is my, my best friend, my brother, Josh Briggs. That He's someone, you know, as a tag partner, as a friend, as a brother, I always throw my ideas to him and he does the same to me. And, we really help each other out. It's a good group to have. Um, I wanted to go back to NXT 2.0, or at least like the start of it. You mm-hmm. came in like right at the relaunch. Uh, 
2.0. Like they were transitioning from black and gold and 2.0. And I think you were on the debut episode of 2.0. Uh, yes, sir. What was your experience like throughout the transition from black and gold to 2.0? So it it was weird because like our I haven't moved down to Orlando yet and we heard the rumors of this 2.0. You know, we heard that there was going to be a relaunch and all that. And I didn't think much of it. It was, you know, what, whatever, you know, as long as I'm working for WWE, I'm cool with that. But we get down there and instantly, like, there was just, uh, they were, you know, moving the, you know, changing the color, you know, from the black and gold to every color known to man. <laughs> on the logo and uh we really didn't see the effect until the day before the 2.0 show because at that time i only been at the pc for now two weeks wow i was prepared to not get in the ring like wrestle on tv until like a year you know like pay my dues i'm gonna pay my dues for a while and maybe a year i'll get a you know, talk to creative and have something planned. The day before 2.0, we had a big talent meeting and they told us like, hey, here's the new stage. Here's where the cameras are going to be. Um, here's the matches. And they said, Josh Briggs and Ben Buchanan. Now, I'm not going to lie. I didn't pay attention to the meeting. Because I didn't think it involved me. I was like, all right, I'm not in the matches, so I'm going to zone out. I'm tired from Brookside's class. I kind of fell asleep a little bit. But I heard my name, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to think much of it. I get in the car with Bodie. Me and Bodie Hayward were rooming at the time. And uh, he kept saying congrats. And I was like, why are you telling me congrats, man? And he said, you're going to be on TV tomorrow. And I was like, what? And yeah, I guess uh, he was like, "Yeah, you're working Imperium." Holy crap! And I was like, <laughs> "What?" So I get back home and I'm like, "I gotta take it, you know. I gotta take a nap. I'm stressed. I'm gonna take a nap." Go in my room. I take a nap. Of course, this is one time where I sleep for two hours. Two hours later, I wake up. I got 50 missed calls from Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, I got a, a, a hundred messages in a group chat. Asking me what color gear do I wear? Uh, asking me, you know, uh, all this random stuff like, what's my weight? Where am I from? And I'm like, so I hurry up and call back. And uh, it's the head writer of the show, Johnny Russo. And uh, I'm talking to him, and he's like, well, we got Sean Michaels right here, and he wants to talk to you. And then Mr. Mr. Shawn Michaels gets on the phone. He said, hey, kid, uh, I know this is very last minute, but we're thinking about making you and Josh Briggs a tag team. And I said, oh, yes, sir. And he said, uh, so your name is going to be, since uh, Josh Briggs is JB, we're going to make you BJ. Followed with five seconds of silence on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine and that. Yeah. It felt like a, you know, that show, The Office, mm-hmm. yeah. where uh, what's his name, um, Jim looks at the camera, 
when Michael <laughs> says something. That was me. I looked over at the camera like, huh. But then he said Brooks Jensen. I was like, okay. I and he then he followed up with, what do you think about the name? And I said, I'm not gonna lie to you. Whatever you say, Mr. Shawn Michaels, I'm gonna go with. So Brooks Jensen is my name. And uh yeah, they just threw us on TV. And the get-go was that if you were signed, the goal of 2.0 is if you're on this show, then in two years, you need to be on WrestleMania. That was the idea. It was like this fun, exciting, you know, you full show now, you know, because the black and gold, it, it was great for wrestling, you know, like you look at those matches that we had at those times yeah. and they were great. But I think 2.0 was made to introduce characters and like, we talk about this at the PC. We joke now that we're all how in the locker room, we had Tommaso Ciampa, LA Knight, Cameron Grimes, Kyle O'Reilly, all these guys, they were the vets. They were the black and gold vets. Now we're the 2.0 vets, you know? <laughs> so we're, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. You know, like what kind of wrestling show has an Italian gangster, uh, a virgin cowboy, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you just can't, you know, it was just fun just to do all those promos and, yeah, 2.0 was so fun. Yeah, it, you could definitely see the shift. Um, and I mean, ultimately, like you said, that's a great mentality to have. Those guys, you know, you guys uh, need to be on WrestleMania in two years. That's a great mentality to have. And not to not black and gold, but you had guys that had been there for a long time. Um, I, yeah, so I, I, I really do believe that because at the time you like there was people that wanted to stay in NXT and not go up and yeah. i think the the mindset is you know this is a learning stage this is for knowledge this is for growth this is to develop for our career this is not our career down here we want to get on raw and smackdown I want to be on Raw and SmackDown. I want to be on Survivor Series. I want to be on WrestleMania. You know, mm -hmm. the the moments I have down here, they are great. You know, stand deliver, um, Great American Bash, Deadline coming up. Those are great. Like just in the moments, but I want to be up there. So that's the mentality that we all have now, and that was installed in us into the 2.0 era. It, well, you kind of touched on it a minute ago, um, talking about your debut on 2.0 with Mr. Shawn Michaels. How is that working with him every week? He's one of my favorites all time. I think one of the greatest performers to ever get in a ring. So I can only imagine, like, I would be starstruck. Oh, uh, it, it was the the first time seeing him, it was... It was it was almost kind of like just you know seeing God. It's like, <laughs> holy crap, you're you're real, you know. 
uh, yeah. but every week, you know, it's really cool. He, uh, me, uh, myself, him and Josh Briggs, we all talk about NASCAR. We just, you know, he talked like, like I say about coach Bloom, he talks to us like, you know, on a personal level about this work, um, uh, every week in the learn from him about the moments about the wrestling, you know, what he sees in our characters, like, uh, the night, uh, I had a, his Kiana, he was just, he was like, here's how I see it, you know? And I was, and listening to him, it's like, he changed my mind into, oh, I see it like that now. So yeah, but it's a real honor. He's really cool. And hopefully, uh, I get to learn many more stuff from him. Is Sean a big NASCAR guy? I've never heard that. Yeah, he's 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 a country <laughs> boy. Huh, interesting. I just I, I guess I never thought about that. Yeah, he for a heartbreak kid, he's a he's a real southern boy. <laughs> I used to be a big Tony Stewart fan when I was younger. Uh, it's, it was Dale Jr. all the time here. Uh yeah, that's fair. That's that's a good one. Is there any <laughs> shot we see Maybe your old gimmick name. Well, I guess that's your shoot name. Uh, the modern day hero, Ben Buchanan. Is there any chance we get to see that ever again? Or is uh, it strictly Brooks Jensen from now on? I, I I haven't heard modern day hero in a while. I was talking about that the <laughs> other day. I had I have uh, this like black robe that I had made for it. And I never got to use it. But um, no, I... I so the thing with the second like a lot of people were complaining at first about the second generation guys not having their name. I understand that completely, you know, you you want to pay respect. That's how people know you. Like they will know me as Bull Buchanan's son, you know. But at the same time, I kinda wanna make my own name. Yeah. I don't want to live off of generations i want to create a generation i want to create something for myself so i would love for modern day hero brooks jensen possibly you know i would love to instill install i meant uh my old you know the the stuff i used to do on the indies and bring them back to tv hopefully one day yeah, you got to use that robe on TV. We got to see that. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I don't know that jacket. That jacket did real well. <laughs> um. So speaking of taking influences, you know, from what you, you know, like you were saying, some of the stuff on the Indies. Are there any uh, influences that you try to take? I know you were talking about big territory wrestling. Um. Are there some favorite wrestlers you try to uh, emulate? on the mic or on the ring or in the ring? Uh, so, so more so on the, on the mic, I'm a huge Arn Anderson fan. I think he's one of the best promo guys to ever grace our, um, sport. Uh, Tully Blanchard is someone else. Uh, Ricky Morton is very underrated for his promo skills. <clears throat> Jim Cornette is someone who's very underrated. Or not very underrated, but uh, someone I take influence from. But in the ring-wise, um, 
it's weird. It's because like I when I first started, I wrestled just like my dad. I moved around just like my dad. And then uh, Steve Carino came up to me. He said, "You ever watched uh, Barry Windham?" I was like, "I've seen some of his stuff. I know of him." And he's like, "You move just like him." So I started <laughs> watching Barry Windham, and I was start- and I started moving like him. I like I'm possibly the greatest impersonator of all time because if you get me to watch someone, I'll just start moving like them. But uh. Uh, yeah, Barry Windham, Magnum TA is someone that I've really tried to get inspiration, influence from. And then my top guy that I'll go to who I hopefully can emulate, move around, or just have the skills that he had was Brad Armstrong. Uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the biggest compliments that I ever got, like, and it shocks me because this person's not in the wrestling business, but uh, she's the daughter of Road Dog Jesse James. And she was at a live event. I didn't know that was her, but she was watching the show with uh, Steve Carino. And I come back after the match and he said, Do you know who this uh, lady is? I was like, I Have no idea, sir. He says, Road Dog's daughter. You know what she just told me? I was like, What's that? And she said, You remind me of Brad Armstrong. So hmm. I always take that to heart that someone that I look up to in Brad Armstrong, who I got to watch on the Indies and very, uh, you know, just sad that he passed away as as young of an age as he did. Uh, I'm glad that I can remind people of those guys, of Barry Windham, of Magnum TA, of Brad Armstrong or arn anderson or terry gordy i want to bring i guess that's what i was telling someone uh there was this uh older gentleman he was like you remind me of what i used to watch as a kid and i was like i want to be that guy i want to be the guy that kids today you know teenagers or even young 20s or whatever when they watch me they tell their mom or dad so that was the guy who you used to watch and they can be like, yes, that's, that's, that was my Kerry Von Eric. That was my, you know, world-class wrestler. That was my Mid-South wrestler. And that's a great thing to live up to. Um, I talking about Brad, I, I have watched some of his stuff in WCW when I was talking about doing the attitude era, uh, rewatch cause I'm watching WCW and WWF. Uh, I always thought he was one of the best in the ring, but it was just like he never got, you know, that push, I guess. But I do think that you favor him a lot and Magnum TA, which, I mean, the mullet does you favor. Yeah. yeah but I think fair. that you... And the gear, too. The gear that you wear sometimes with the trunks. Mm-hmm. I... I, uh... It's very ironic that they put uh, Josh Briggs and myself in pants when we're, we're we're two of like two guys who respect the sport so much that respect wrestling so much that it's like no we have to wear gear gear is like the you know it's like that's the that that's the wrestler you know he wears the the trunks the boots possibly the knee pads it depends on what day you're feeling <laughs> yeah but and then 
you know, we're wearing jeans, but hey, whatever makes us different is what makes us different. But uh, yeah, I I didn't notice that I looked like these guys until, you know, the entrance blew up and I see all these comparison photos and I'm like, man, like I said earlier, I'm a great impersonator. <laughs> I Well, personally, I think the trunks with the journey entrance, I mean, hey, it exploded all over Twitter because people took to it. I think, I think you put it in one of your posts. I think you said it best. What's old is new. And sometimes that's the best thing. I think, I think the trunks with the journey song has got money written all over it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell Sean what to do, but personally, I would love to see it. All I say is that if there's ever a new song, at least give me Brad Armstrong's old WCW theme song. That's all I asked. <laughs> it was heat. It was heat. Um, speaking of on the mic, I know you've made some posts in the past about wanting to see the Midnight Express get into the Hall of Fame. You talked about Jim Cornette being one of the best talkers of all time, or you said, you know, you said underrated, but you were like, oh, well, he's not underrated. Yeah. Um, he is a highly controversial figure in the community. But what do you think about Jim Cornette? I, it's, oh, it's such a weird <laughs> thing. Like I, I take a minute because it's like <laughs> you know the stuff that he says, right? Yeah, you know, some of the things he says, yeah, they're very outlandish. I believe that you know this guy, his whole life, he was in the wrestling business. He was a photographer in Tennessee, and then he became a manager in Tennessee and, you know, worked in Mid-South where you kept everything hush-hush. You protected what you did on TV. I believe that what some of the stuff that he says is just him being a worker, you know, like Mm -hmm. just him being a bad guy, you know, him being Jim Cornette. Yep. I do believe he is one of the best minds in wrestling. I I don't have a personal relationship with him. Uh, my father does. Uh, Jim is the one who got my father signed to WWE. He gave my dad his oh, big break okay. in wow. Smoky Mountain. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, my dad worked over in Smoky Mountain. Uh, ironic, uh, New Jack was the one who gave him a good word. To oh, Jim my. Cornette. <laughs> wow. <laughs> New Jack gave uh, my dad a push in Smoky Mountain. And then uh, when my dad did a one time appearance in ECW after Smoky Mountain shut down, uh, Cornette told Vince McMahon and Vince said, sign him. So Cornette mm-hmm. really uh, helped my dad out, helped my family out. And there's more to it, but needs to say, uh, Hopefully, I do have a personal relation with Jim Cornette. I would love to talk to him. I would love to have his critiques on my match. I would love to have him critique on my promos. I, I, I wish, I, I wish they would put him in the Hall of Fame with Midnight Express. I they think, deserve it. I yeah. think Dennis, Bobby, and Stan just you you can't get better in that. Bobby Eaton. Uh, I got the, and it's, it was a couple of weeks before he, uh, sadly passed away. 
but he would help out with this promotion in Alabama and he saw me work and he talked to me for a couple hours about uh he heard I got signed and he talked to me for a couple hours about you know when you're on the road here's what you do when you know when you're working this match here's what you could do differently uh just giving me advice for to prepare on the road to prepare to be a wrestler and he didn't have to do that but he did it because he's Bobby Eaton you know yeah but uh Cornette uh the great one of the greatest wrestling minds ever hands down hearing him talk about the matches and is you know it's very ironic the guy doesn't is not a wrestler the guy you know wasn't bumping you know uh wasn't working mr wrestling too wasn't working rick flair but he was there he was watching it he was watching as a fan he was watching in the corner helping out with the matches getting the heat getting the pops so he knows as much as those guys and just hearing him talk on his podcasts about the state of wrestling today and how wrestling was back then i think we could all benefit you know taking his advice you know he he is a great wrestling mind to me he's just like any other controversial figure he's got some stuff he's going to say that you're probably not going to agree with and you know there are some things that probably he shouldn't say yeah yeah but you know there are bits and pieces in there that is good information and you can't discount his mind for the business yeah i i would just if he if he does if he ever listens to this or if he ever gets to hear me i would love for one for him to come down to the pc and have a promo class with us you know to help us uh advance our promos because i think with him like how he talked how he would get the crowd into to follow what he was saying for how fast he was saying it i don't know it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just his own like i i just want to learn it i just want to be able to take what he did and put it into today's state of uh sports entertainment pro wrestling mm-hmm. well you know brooks we got to ask you about another Brooks, Bill Brooks, CM Punk re-signing. Well, you got any thoughts on that? The biggest re-signing of the last decade? I So I heard Cody Rose say about it the other day on that press conference. If he is there to, if he is here to make our business better, then I'm all for it. You know, I, I was a big fan of him when I was a kid, even as a teenager. So the fan of me is really happy that he is here. Yeah, I just hope that, you know, he is here to make the business better. And I'm and I'm sure that he's going to make the business better. He's already doing it. Oh, yeah. And I just I cannot wait to see what. What kind of work he's going to put out there, especially with guys like Seth Rollins, Cody Rose, Drew McIntyre, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor. Uh, Roman Roman. Reigns, yeah, yeah, those Randy Orton, like all those names, all those matchups, it's fresh, it's exciting, it makes me want to pay to watch it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think you guys could definitely have some good discussions about classic wrestling because I I know he's put stuff out there on like Instagram or whatever about some classic wrestling that he's a big fan of. Um, I do want to say we are getting a little close to the end, so we've just got a couple uh, future questions for you here. Um, if you had to pick a dream opponent or just someone to have a match with any era or tag team, you know, whatever, who would you pick? Ooh. It's a tie between Ron and John, the APA, versus Briggs and myself, or uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Gordy versus Josh Briggs and myself. On the single side, uh, my top two would be Brad Armstrong or Bobby Eaton. Those would be some great matches. Oh, yeah. I, I think those would be just that would be a career for me to wrestle any of those matches. Yeah, you could die then and be oh, happy. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks, one more question for me. Yes, sir. You've only been wrestling for on the in the NXT scene for a couple of years now, but what do you think your proudest moment is so far in your tenure? I would say winning the UK tag titles is up there. And uh, it wasn't necessarily a moment, but the storyline with myself, Josh Briggs, Fallon, and Kiana, because that was never meant to happen. And everybody got so behind you know, me being this just awkward, you know, single, you know, just, you know, just being, a, you know, just this awkward guy and to be yeah. with uh, Kiana. And at times you thought, oh, man, she's using him. And then at times you thought, no way, she actually loves him. And then to have that mixed tag match, which is one of my favorite matches that I've got to do. And then uh, the breakup right after. Still sour about it, but the breakup right <laughs> after. Uh, it's some of my proudest uh, work outside of the ring. It was a long-term story, too. I enjoyed yeah, it. it. Yeah, it was a lot longer than what we expected. Yeah, I think... Um... Me and Ryan were talking the other night on the phone just about, you know, doing this interview and everything. And he told me uh, that he saw a, a post somewhere that said that it was almost as long as the Bloodline story up to like a certain point. And it was like the second longest running feud in WWE. Yeah. So, I mean, hey. Yeah. So uh, we uh, we were talking about that and it was like a. Yeah, we had people from the main roster saying it's the bloodline, and then they're watching <laughs> us. So I was like, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll I'll be in that conversation. You know, who would have thought that, you know, the two biggest storylines would be somebody feeling oozy, and then the other one is, when's he having his first kiss? <laughs> and uh, I do want to say, you, you kind of 
you've alluded to that you didn't think it would go as long as it was supposed to. Was there was there an original payoff planned that ended up getting moved because the ball got rolling with it, or was it just kind of a week to week? Let's see how this goes. Yeah, just week to week. It was just like a, uh, just let's see how the chemistry goes and. You know, Kiana's great. Fallon is great. Josh is great, and I'm I'm there too. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it was week to week because we didn't know how the crowd was going to react, and thankfully the crowd was loving what we were doing. They were invested in what we were doing. I remember people were messaging me like, you know, wishing me luck for the first date, and. <laughs> all that good stuff. And I just, I take pride in that, you know, people, it was, it was the fans that allowed this, uh, angle, the storyline to keep going. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about what the people gravitate to. And so if they're enjoying it, um, I think we've seen in the past, sometimes, uh, WWE, had shied away from doing longer storylines, but typically that's when the people get hooked into something. They have to come back and follow it every week. So I think that's important. Um, Lastly, for me, if somebody is new to Brooks Jensen, what match would you tell them to seek out? And where do you see yourself in five years? So if it's a a match of myself, I would say... uh... Uh, Kiana and myself versus uh, Josh Briggs and Fallon. Uh, me, myself versus Lexus King is a good one. Uh, and then myself and Josh Briggs versus The New Day. Yeah, Those that, that like, was a personal favorite. That, that That's one of my favorites to just have that match and go out there with them and just hearing that crowd cheer for them is one of the most intimidating things ever. But then you get in the ring with them and you start rolling and then you hear that crowd going and going and going. It was just, it just lit up a fire that you just couldn't stop. But, uh, and then what was the second question again? Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Hopefully in the main event of, uh, WrestleMania, but, uh, no, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, main event WrestleMania is always the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping there's a, uh, you know, a North American title under my belt, you know, under my uh, accolades. Maybe a NSC champion, who knows? Maybe a NSC tag champion with me and Briggs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it's a, uh, a WrestleMania main event and, uh, an opponent under the name of Roman Reigns, possibly. Mm. Hey, I'd yeah. buy it. <laughs> He'll probably still be champion. I've heard people say if I have that, if I have that entrance, oh yeah, I can beat Roman Reigns. That's so. a main event entrance. Hey, man. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> I can imagine it ringing out in front of about eighty thousand. So it oh. it would be very cool to see that on that stage. The future would tell. Yep, we'll just have to watch and see. 
Uh, once again, thank you for joining us. I thought it was a really good time. Had some good discussions, some old wrestling, some current stuff. And just to look into your past, I think your future is really bright. I mean, I know I'm nobody. I'm armchair quarterback from my house. But, you know, I, I really enjoy your work. I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Also, one more thing before I leave. I, it just popped into my head. But with us talking about the entrance, right, I want to shout out to Matt Tremont someone who I took inspiration from that entrance. Um, I remember being a teenager and seeing his entrance on the Indies and thinking that was one of the coolest things ever. So shout out to him. And uh, thank you guys for letting me be on this and be in my first interview while employed to the WWE. So (laughs) thank you guys. Of course. Maybe we'll have to come back and do another one. Oh, yeah. You just let me know. I'm always ready. All right. We appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys. So that was the exclusive interview with Brooks Jensen, our first ever interview, his as well. And I think it was a really good time. Uh, A lot of good discussions, a lot of things that we didn't know about him. So overall, I think a great time. Make sure to check him out on Tuesdays, NXT on the USA Network, as well as his social media, Instagram and Twitter is at Brooks Jensen WWE. As for us, next week we'll be back with our second annual Scoopies. Make sure to check us out Instagram, Twitter, at ScoopSlamPod. The link will be in the bio. Share us with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. And overall, just have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening.